Welcome back, friends. Lost Garf here, and it's time for the newest Kirby's Dreamcast. Here we talk about everything Kirby, from the games to the people behind making Kirby, and the show Kirby Right Back At Ya. A main through line to the podcast will be the Kirby Right Back Ya anime, as it was 100 episodes, but in time we'll be going over every single Kirby game and other things like, eventually, the Kirby Cafe, Train Poo Poo Poo, and many other things that get developed over the years. There's just a lot, like the new spring line. Oh my god, it's so cute, that spring line with the plushies. And then Kirby and Friends, where it's him with Rick and Kine and Koo. I really wish I could get those plushies. And books and mangas and things like that. There's going to be a lot to talk about over the years, and I'm happy with that. Another thing to mention is you can follow us on at Kirby Dreamcast on Twitter, where we will occasionally have tweets about the podcast and updates uh, whenever new episodes come out. It'll mainly follow Kirby fan art artists, and I'll retweet their art. And there's a lot of artists to retweet, and oh my god, just... There's artists who make Kirby fan art every day. I don't know how they do it. It's so good, and there's so much detail. I'm so happy with it. And when I get the chance, I'm retweeting all their stuff. It's just awesome. Now, there's two big news. And the first one's got to be release stuff, and that is... Kirby's 27th birthday was on the 27th of April, so that was last week. And Kirby Robobot actually came out on the 28th of April. So there's a lot of anniversaries there. Also coming up is the 1st of May... Well, it's past at this point, but 1st of May is when Kirby's Dream Land 2 came out and Kirby's Adventure. 2nd of May is Kirby's uh, Triple Deluxe, which I really like that game. And on the 4th is Kirby Block Ball. I own that game. I, re- I liked it. I owned all these games. I like all these games. Well, obviously, I'm a Kirby fan. <laughs> but here's the big thing I really want to mention. That is, Let's Find Kirby Book. It came out in Japan, and there's some scans you can find online, and it's amazing. So what this is, is Where's Waldo, but with Kirby, but, now if you've played Kirby's Battle Royale, the idea is the Kirby printer went haywire. If you know what that is, is, in Kirby Battle Royale, it's multiple Kirby's fighting, and that's because King Dedede made a thing called the Kirby printer, which allows them to make copies of Kirby. They're almost as strong as Kirby, because of course Kirby's Kirby, but they're really powerful on their own right, and this is how you can have just a bunch of Kirby's beating each other up with different powers. So that's where it comes from, is that game. So because of that, it's gone haywire, And there are literally hundreds of Kirbys in this book. So it's not about finding Kirby, it's about finding specific Kirbys. Like Starrod Kirby, or Kirby with a specific power, or just other kind of things going on there. Like there's one Waddle Dee in this entire thing, and he's taking pictures. So you want to find him in every page. And at the last one is, it is the Fountain of Dreams, and it's just pictures from a bunch of other things that have happened. And it's just the Kirby's like, oh, look at these pictures and everything, and just hanging out the Fountain of Dreams. So that is pretty awesome right there. And, oh my god, I need to describe some of these pages. Like, there's just a hundred Kirbys just enjoying apples. And just different things like that going on. There's also a gourmet race, so there's just a bunch of Kirbys, and there's food, and there's powers. There's so much going on. There's a Star Allies one, where it's just all the different powers. You've got Train Kirby happening, you've got the, the Sparkle Star going on, you've got this, the, the Wheel Kirby going, the Bridge Kirby. Like, there's so much happening here. And of course, there's Kirby with Adeline and Ribbon, and that's really cute right there. And every power's in this game. I mean, game. In this book. Every single power. And here's a really cool one. I won't describe this one. We'll show it on, on the YouTube screen. Kirby versus Halberd. So it's Kirby, Sword Kirby fighting Meta Knights on the screen. On the screen. On the page. And what's also happening on the page is the Halberds in the background. There's, a, there's just hundreds of Kirbys on the Halberds. That's chaos right there. You got Meta Knights men are there, too. But it's not just Meta Knight. There's the other knights as well. So, there are like five Kirbys battling Galacta Knight. Marfo Knight's there. Dark Meta Knight's there. There's also, a sh- there's on occasion, there's the mirror there, so you can tell where everyone's coming from. 
Red Kirby's showing up randomly. Yellow Kirby's ran showing up randomly. Blue Kirby's there randomly. Green Kirby's there randomly. All the Kirby's are here. They're all randomly all over the place. Goo's in different places on different pages. Everyone is here! They're all there, and it's amazing. There's so much referencing. There's just so much detail going on here, and I love it so much. And another favorite, I gotta show this one too, is the Great Cave Offensive. If you've played that from Superstar, oh my god, the nostalgia is killing me. It is the map. It is the map of that game. I remember all these different parts of things, all these different placements of the bosses and what's going on there, and I love how accurate it is. And it's just, it's awesome. It is amazing. I can't. It's so much. I, I love it so much. This is, this is really great. And th there's just treasures there, which I remember those treasures. And it's, it's too much. It's just too much. It, there's so much detail. This is, this is what's so awesome about Kirby games. They pack so much into them. And even their books have so much packed into them. That is awesome. Just so awesome. You can really hear it. I'm, oh my god. I really want to own this book. You can only get it in Japan right now on Amazon Japan as well. And I want this book. I hope for a US release. I really want there to be a US release. I'm happy to look at these scans, but I want to hold it in my hand. And I want to just look at every layer of this thing and just be happy. Because there's so much going on. There's so many funny images with this thing and just so many interactions happening. Like... There's like a Kirby enjoying his juice, and then there's another one where Kirby trips and he spills his juice, and then Kirby just looks so worried for him. He's like, oh no, you dropped your juice. And there's just, there's all these little interactions everywhere, and I'm dying. I'm, I'm just a huge fan of Kirby, and I'm dying here. Uh, it's, it's so much. I want it. Like, I like drawing Kirby, so I can just draw him do, doing different things, and this is just everything I could imagine Kirby doing is right here. It's just an insane mass attack with Kirby. It's just, it's so good. So good. Now, I, I must now digress to the actual episode. Oh, man. Okay, so today we're going to talk about episode 17 of Kirby Right Back At Ya, known as The Thing About The Ring. Now, the Japanese title is The Ring Story of Parm and Memu. Now, these are the Japanese names of two characters, so you won't, might not know them, and they are Sir Ibram and Lady Like. So this is an episode about Tiff and Tuff's parents. And it, it's, uh, it's an interesting one, that's for sure. So the episode starts with Kirby, Tough, Falala, and Falalo playing rock, paper, scissors. And somehow the first game ends in a tie. Kirby can only play rock, and yet it ended in a tie, so okay. But the second round, Kirby loses, and he ends up being it for hide-and-seek. So we see Kirby counting with his face against the wall, and this is all very cute, of course. And then Tiff shows up and sees Kirby, and she mentions it's a special day today, and Tev comes out going like, what the heck? We're, we're playing. What are you doing? You're interrupting us. And she's, she has to remind him, it's a special day today, Tuff. And he remembers, oh, oh, right. And then he gets really excited. And then everyone follows Tiff. And what's interesting is Falala and Falalo wonder what special day it is, which is a very weird question considering they've known the family for as, almost as long as Tiff's been alive. And Tiff's like maybe eight or ten years old. I think she's like ten. I think Tuff's eight and she's ten. Maybe she's 12. I don't remember at the moment. But they are, you know, preteen little kids. And so, Fala and Folalo have been with this family for at least a decade, and yet they don't know what day it is. It's very odd. It's very odd, that interaction. But then we see that King Dedede and Escargoon were actually watching the kids play, and they're curious what special day it is. Escargoon says, what do I look like, a wall calendar? And then King Dedede literally goes Super Saiyan and yells at him because they should learn why the day is so special. Like, King Dedede straight up gets the golden aura, and he is mad. 
Very weird to see that. Having seen 40 episodes, this is the only time he does this. I don't know why they decided to have him do it in this episode. Then the opener happens, and as always, it is awesome. Now after the opener, we see Tiff showing Kirby her parents' wedding pictures. This episode is interesting because Ladylike actually talks for a while in this episode, so her voice actually sounds a little different, and that's because the voice actress actually needed to do more than, like, a one-liner for this character. Gracious, what a predicament! I cannot decide between the blue one or the pink one! So she sounds a little different, and she just talks a lot more in this episode. And the kids tell Kirby that on the anniversary, they always have a nice fancy dinner, and last year it was steak! So Kirby is super excited. Because you mentioned food, Kirby's excited. You mentioned steak, Kirby's very excited. <laughs> so, like, where are they going to eat? And Ladylike says they're just going to have a nice dinner over at Kawasaki's restaurant. And the kids are, of course, not happy about it, because nobody likes Kawasaki's restaurant, and yet everyone goes there. But, of course, Kirby's excited, because Kirby loves him some food. What happens next is interesting. Kirby happily flies around and then goes to check on Sir Ibram for some reason. And we see that Sir Ibram is holding a green ring, and he's very nervous, but also very intense. We don't know why, but he's like, okay, he's gonna get it this time, he's gonna get it this time. Like, okay, what's going on here? Lady Light calls him over, and so he leaves the bedroom, and he doesn't notice Kirby in the room with him. So Kirby sits down and sees the ring where Sir Ibram put it away, and Kirby looks at it curiously. And then he opens up the ring box, and he holds the ring and holds it happily. He's like, hey, I got a ring! Then he looks around mischievously, and eats the ring! He ate the ring! But it tastes awful, so Kirby spits it out the window. And then Kirby thinks nothing of what he's done. He's like, hmm, did I mess up? I'm not sure. And then he just leaves. He just moves on. Like, he realizes he might have done something wrong, but he doesn't do anything about it and leaves. So Kirby is the cause of some problems right here. <laughs> but then we follow the ring, and it's landed on the ramparts, and it lands in front of a guard waddle D. The guard waddle D picks it up and looks at it curiously, and then Escargoon, wondering what the day is, walks around, and then he sees the waddle D with the ring, and he runs over and takes it from him and says he saw nothing. The waddle D looks sad about it, and he's like, aww. <laughs> But Falala and Falalo also saw what happened. Next, we cut back to Seabram running around desperately in his room looking around for the ring. He just can't find it, and he's really, really not happy about it, because of course he isn't. Kirby, Tiff, and Tuff come over, and he tells them the ring is missing. And Tiff says this happens every year. Every year, their dad acts really weird on the anniversary, and they don't know why. And Seabram finally tells them why it is, and that is... Every time at the wedding and the anniversary since, he gets really nervous about giving his wife a wedding ring. Because it turns out, she has never gotten one. Like, at the wedding itself, and this is cool, we get to see a younger version of everyone. Obviously, they're not born yet, but we get to see uh, the mayor with a young hairstyle. We get to see just other characters. And we see Shibrim Lady Laika's younger versions of themselves. And at the wedding, he was so nervous about putting the ring on his wife's finger that he misses. And then she tries to just put her finger into the ring, and she misses, and they just keep missing, and then they fumble, and the ring falls out of Serebrum's hand, and it rolls down a, a hill into a river, and a, f a heartfish eats it. Serebrum actually runs into the river looking for it, and he can't find it, and he just looks very sad about it. And so Serebrum, every year apparently, just when it's time for the anniversary, keeps failing at giving the ring over to his wife. Different instances happen, the ones that were shown though are... Another attempt where he was going to give her... In the original, he was going to give her a red ring. And in this instance, we're going to see... We see next is it was going to be like an opal kind of ring. It's like a big... It's like a big white ball. You could say it's a pearl, but it wouldn't be a pearl. It'd probably be more of an opal. 
And he fails here in that with the big white ball ring. He's going to go over and give his wife the ring. But then we hear King Dedede's playing golf and a golf ball actually lands in their room. Sir Ibram trips on the golf ball and he drops the ring. It falls out the window on King Dedede's tee conveniently. And then King Dedede hits it away as a golf ball. So that's unfortunate. And it's just implied bad things happen to the other ones. There is another one, a Japanese version, where he drops a ring in the toilet. And that one was cut from the U.S. version. And I assume it's just because, you you don't want to see a ring in the toilet. But while Sir Ibram's telling them about his plans and how they're in trouble now, because, well, the ring's missing, Kirby starts looking around because Kirby's realized he'd done a bad thing. <laughs> Kirby now displays his memory and reasoning, which is pretty good here. Kirby looks around, remembers what he did, remembers eating the ring, remembers spitting out the ring, and where specifically he spit it, and then Kirby jumps out the window. And the others see this, and they follow him. So they're like, huh, what's Kirby doing? And what's happening is Kirby's just like, okay, so I spit it out this window, it would go out this way in this direction, so I'm going to jump out here where it would fall. So, nice, Kirby's got some, some intelligence and reasoning there. Kirby lands where the ring landed, and he looks around, and then Falala and Fulalo show up, and also everyone else shows up, and they mention that Escargoon left the place with a ring. So everyone thinks, hmm, Escargoon must have stolen it. Only Kirby knows the true situation at the moment. Everyone else thinks someone must have came in through the window, took the ring, and, and got on the ramparts and left, and it's got to be Escargoon then, since he was seen with the ring. Now we cut to Cappy Town, and Escargoon's with Mabel the Gypsy, and he's having her appraise the ring, and she tells him it's glass, and what's he trying to do here? And he's like, wait, what? It's glass? No way. And then she's like, all right, it's just glass. So he leaves. And she looks at the ring and decides to sell it to Professor Curio. And he says, like, yeah, it is a special ring. It leads back to ancient Cappy civilization. And Mabel's like, oh, yeah, that means it's got to be worth some money, right? And Curio says, no, it's an artifact, so it's priceless. You can't buy and sell artifacts, which disappoints her. Now, in this version of things, it's a little more ambiguous as to what's going on here but the Japanese version is less ambiguous. She straight up is scamming Escargoon. She knows there's something special about this ring, but she tells Escargoon it's nothing special so that she could sell it and make money for herself. But in the US version, it seems more like she's salvaging the situation. But no, she's scamming Escargoon, and that's what she do. And also, because it's Escargoon, who cares, right? But during the conversation with Curio, we see a familiar Cappy in the window. We've seen him before. We've never heard his name, but we've seen him a few times in the past. It's a Cappy with kind of like, a goatee look on his face. And we've seen him a few times. We've seen him as a float, and we've seen him a few times with Chief Bookham. The gang find Escargoon in Cappy Town, and they yell at him to return the ring. But Escargoon says it was a hunk of junk anyway, and it's not on him anymore. He gave it to Mabel. This angers Ibram, though, because this is a wedding ring, so it's like, what is he doing calling that a hunk of junk? They go see Mabel, and she says she appraised it, and Curio has it now because she gave it to him since so it's an artifact and it's not worth anything. So that's where it is now. But before they go to Kira's, we hear Chief Bookham yell, Stop, thief! And we see the same guy running with the ring in his hand. His name is Doron the Thief. We've seen him many times with Chief Bookham because he's always getting arrested by Chief Bookham. He's on that float because he gets arrested kind of there because it's the ball and chain. This dude just keeps stealing in Cappy Town. He keeps getting caught by Chief Bookham. And I guess he just serves a couple days in prison and gets to come out after that. And that's it. No matter how many offenses he has, he just keeps living in and out of the jail, I guess. Also, we see that it's easy to get out of the jail because if you remember episode 6, which was a while back, in that episode, Doron's in the jail, but he can easily pop out of it, and he does in that episode. So, 
Chief Bookham and some other cappies are chasing Doron, and then Kirby comes rushing in all angry, because, like, he's very serious, he's gonna get the ring, and he tackles Doron. But all the other cappies dogpile on top of it, too, so that just causes this big pile of cappies and Kirby, and then when they all pop free of this dogpile, the ring gets flung away. So, the ring's gone now. We cut to the jail, where we learn from Doron that the last time he saw the ring was, well, when that dog pile happened. It's very weird to have the scene right after. So now Kirby's even more gung-ho about finding the ring, because Kirby knows it's his fault, and Kirby wants to do right, so he is just super energized to get this ring. Now, cut back to Escargoon, and we see that he's actually looking at a jewelry collection that he owns, and he actually is hiding it from King Dedede, because King Dedede wants all the sparklies. Those are King Dedede's words later. And so Escargoon actually hides it in a fake brick in a castle wall. And so it's actually in the throne room, which is such a bad idea, but it is what it is. He has it there, and it makes me wonder why he needs someone to help with appraisal, like he just hasn't learned how jewelry works, considering he owns so much. But then King Dedede shows up and asks what Escargoon's doing, and asks, well, does he know what special day it is? Escargoon has no idea, but then he tells King Dedede about an artifact in town and how all the captains are looking for it. King Dedede sees this as treason because it should be his property. Anything in Cappy Town should be his, and if it's some special artifact, then it should be his special artifact. So, it's starting to set things up as what's going to happen here with conflict. Back over in Town Square, at the tree in the center of town, Chief Bookham says they'll find the ring in a day or so, but Cerebrum's like, that's too late, and he's very stressed out about that. But Tiff assures her that they can find it, and she goes into action mode, basically the leader mode she always is, and she tells Cerebrum, to look this way, she tells Chief Bookham to look this way, they'll look this other way. And so we have four different parties looking for the ring. And these parties are Kirby haphazardly looking for the ring, Chief Bookham dragging the thief around while looking for the ring, Sir Ibram's with Falala and Falalo, and Tiff and Tuff are looking. Kirby's search is interesting because he's just haphazardly looking, so he's digging through bushes, he's just looking all over the town, he's just running around just kind of worrying people because they're like, what the heck's Kirby doing? Because they don't know what he's running around for. And so, we're treated to a bit of them just running around looking for things. And then we see Sir Ibram and Tiff both seeing something on the ground, thinking it's the ring. And they run for it and crash into each other and just straight up headbutt each other. So father-daughter headbutt right there. Tuff grabs and he says, oh, it's just glass. <laughs> it literally is just a piece of glass. I don't know how they thought that was the ring. But they hurt themselves and, well, that's not good for them. But then they spy Lady Like walking around in Cappy Town on her own. And Chief Bookham runs up to her and tells her that he's on the case for her ring. She's like, what ring? What does a ring have to do with me? What are you talking about? And before Chief Bookham can explain, Sir Abram pops in because her wife's not supposed to know about this. It's a surprise, after all. He's like, hey, honey, uh, let's go for a walk. And so now it's up to the kids to find the ring because now Sir Abram's out of commission. He's got to distract his wife and just delay as long as he can until they get the ring. Now back at Kirby, as I said before, he's searching everywhere. And Takori takes notice, and he's like, what are you doing, Kirby? And, like, Kirby's digging through the bushes and through grass, and he's just digging around. So what he's digging gets, ends up hitting Takori, and, and then Takori's just chasing after Kirby, going, like, what the heck is he doing? And Takori actually crashes into a tree as well. But then Kirby sees it. He sees the ring, and it's on a ram! So Kirby happily flies over to go get the ring, but Takori swoops in and snatches it away. So this is what Kirby's after is what Takori's thinking. He's like, all right, so this is what you want. And now it's time to torment you, because Takori's a jerk. Kirby desperately chases after Takori, and Takori just laughs and flies away with the ring. What a jerk! Like, what a jerk! The birds in this universe, minus Koo, are all jerks. Like, Takori's a jerk. 
King Dedede's a jerk. You know Donna Blade's a jerk, too, because she just does what she wants. She don't care. So Kirby's dealing with another jerk bird right now. Back at the castle, King Dedede decides that he's going to take matters into his own hands, so he's going to summon a, a good treasure-finding monster from Nightmare Enterprises. And Carcoon's like, no, we don't need to do that. It's a waste of time. But then King Dedede goes Super Saiyan again, because he's like, everything in this kingdom is mine. It's all my treasure. So I'm going to get a monster to get all this stuff. So he summons from Nightmare Enterprises, Honker Stomper. Honker Stomper is in none of the games, it's only in this show, and it's a weird looking monster because it's basically this giant yellow nose with a Sherlock hat and eyes, and it's got two big sneaker feet, and that's it. It's just really weird, and it's just really good at sniffing out treasure. So Honker Stomper's first act as a treasure hunter is it starts sniffing around, and it sniffs Escargoon. He's like, what the heck, get off me. But then it starts sniffing a certain wall in the throne room, and Escargoon's really worried. And then it sucks out the brick, and then it sucks out the jewels, and ew, by the way. But this show has a vacuum ability, and Escargoon, of course, is very not happy about that and starts flipping out. And then King Dedede realizes that Escargoon's been hoarding treasure. So that's not good. But then King Dedede thinks, oh no, Escargoon's probably just saving these for me. You've been saving them sparklies for me. And Escargoon's like, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then Hawker Stomper gets sent to town. So now the monster's here. So we're back at Capitown, and Kirby is just futilely chasing after Takori. He's too far, he's too high, and Kirby's getting angry. So then Kirby leaves the area. Takori slows down and looks around for Kirby, because like, huh? And then Kirby just pounces out of nowhere, and bam, catches Takori and the ring. The ring falls away from them, and it lands on Gengu. He's like, huh, what, a ring? And then they land on Gengu, and they knock him out. So poor Gengu right there. And Kirby grabs the ring, and he's finally got it. But then Doron the Thief shows up, dashes by, and grabs the ring and runs away. And so Kirby runs in to chase him. But then Honker Stomper also notices him, because that thing's probably apparently really fast and it's already there. And it sucks him into its nose. So, ew again. Then Honker Stomper goes on a rampage. It goes up to every store and sucks up all their jewelry. It goes to Mabel's shop. It goes over to Gengu's place. I guess he had jewelry there. Well, there's like kid toy jewelry, I guess. It's just sucking up everyone's jewels, everyone's valuables. It goes to Jakiro's place, sucks up the artifacts, goes to the mayor's house, sucks up his wife's jewelry. She's like, this has been my family for generations, and that thing doesn't care. And all while this chaos is happening, they're chasing it because it's got the ring. At one point, we see Chef Kawasaki is looking for a fish for a special dinner tonight, and everyone runs into Chef Kawasaki, just run him over, and just stepping on him during the chase. So poor guy. Another instance, we see Cerebrum with Lady Like, and he's extremely just very nervous, and he's just still trying to delay and distract his wife while the kid's looking for the ring. So we're just seeing other things happening while this is happening. So the entire town is, has been ransacked by a monster again. Again! Like, it just keeps happening! King Dedede torments these guys so much, and they just let it happen. It's so weird. But later at the castle, we see King Dedede has a pile of gold and jewels. But he's mad because he's specifically wanted that one ring that everyone's been running around for, and how is he supposed to find it in all this treasure now? So King Diddy's just awful. He's just, we know it already, he's awful, and he's being awful. Honker Stomper just honks like a pig, like that oink oink, it just does that and just sits there. So King Diddy makes Escargoon figure out which one it is. And when he fails, King Diddy starts choking him out. But then the kids and Kirby show up, and they demand he give up the ring. King Diddy says it's all his, and then six Honker Stomper on them. And so now we have ourselves a suck battle. Now, eventually, most of the jewels get sucked up into Honker Stomper in this fight because they were closer to him than Kirby. And eventually, the thief is revealed, and he's still holding onto the ring. Then Tuff tells Kirby to stop sucking, and then he throws a bunch of pepper into the air for Honker Stomper to catch. 
And so, of course, it's going to cause Hunker Stomper to sneeze. And he does. And he sneezes everything. A ton of treasure gets sneezed out. The thief gets sneezed out. Kirby gets blasted away by the blast as well. And they fly out the castle. And they're high up the castle, by the way. So there's just a crap ton of treasure in the air. Kirby's in the air. The thief's in the air. Kirby starts swimming through the air over to the thief. And he wants the ring. But the thief isn't going to relent. He won't let go of it. So Kirby threatens to suck him up. So then the thief finally gives in. And Kirby reaches for the ring. And before he can get it, they hit the river. They land in the river. And a hardfish eats the ring again. And Kirby desperately swims after the fish in the river but ultimately fails. Now, back at the castle, King Diddy it kicks Honker Stomper out for its failure, and we see it just get launched across the air. And we don't know if it gets killed or not, but this is the first time we've seen a monster not killed by Kirby. Or maybe not even killed at all. It depends on what you expect to happen at that moment right there when it got knocked away. Does it get blown up, or does it just... It's just gone now. Now, that night at Kawasaki's restaurant, Cerebrum is nervous waiting for the kids, and then they show up, and, well they admit their failure. Cerebrum is sad and he apologizes to his wife. He keeps trying to get her a wedding ring, but it keeps going wrong. He's failed to give her a ring again. But Ladylike says it's okay. What's important to her is her family and that they love each other and that they're together, so they should enjoy this dinner together. And so they do. But then Chef Kawashaki shows up with a heartfish saying that they just caught it, so he's going to cook this up for them. But Kirby remembers the fish, so Kirby tackles the fish. And out pops the ring, which allows Cerebrum to finally give his wife a ring, which is fish-flavored, but I guess she's okay with that. Everyone at the restaurant claps, and all the major cappies are there. Chief Bookham's there, bartender's there, Doron's there for some reason, he should be in jail, what the heck. Because everyone's there, and they're clapping, they're happy for the situation, that finally Cerebrum's given his wife a ring. And then Chef Kawasaki says to Kirby, he's like, well, for what you've done, you can eat all you want tonight. Which, of course, is a huge mistake, because Kirby immediately goes for the suck, and sucks in all the food in the restaurant. And the final shot of the episode is pretty much everyone getting sucked towards Kirby, and a bunch of food getting sucked to Kirby. It's an amazing image. It's a lot of drawing going on there. Oh my god. So everyone's getting sucked towards Kirby, except for the happy couple behind him. So that's nice right there. That is the episode. It's a pretty odd one, just with all the things happening. It just goes really fast, and then just ends. Like... Some of these episodes are like that. There's a lot of episodes where just a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff happens. Monster shows up, monster battle, then we're done. And it's kind of that here too, but a little different since it was just very short. And just, wow, a bunch happened. And we learned some important things here, like that Tiff and Tuff do come from a happy, loving family. So good for them. That's nice. And that, uh, though Ladylike is very a very posh woman, she also doesn't care about material goods, which is very interesting there. King Dedede is ridiculously selfish, and it's just, why has there never been a rebellion? But of course, keep in mind, he does summon monsters, so they can't beat him on power. He does have an army of Waddle Dees. He's got a ton of money in the vault, so... And the Cappies are cowards. Like, they can't win this fight. It's very unfortunate. The only chance they got is Kirby just finally snapping and murdering the hell out of King Dedede. That's their only shot, really. Like, it's surprising that uh, even Wispy Woods hasn't decided to just murder King Dedede, honestly. But the most interesting thing has to be Kirby's display of memory. Kirby's a baby, as we know. He always is childlike with his glee and everything and his intelligence for the most part, and that's because, well, he literally is a child. He's a baby. But he does show some capabilities, especially in combat. We see that he's ridiculously smart in combat. Well, once he gets going. Like, he needs to be told to start sucking things, but after he starts doing that, he shows aptitude and ability. He shows smarts with when to suck, when not to suck, what he can do with his abilities, 
and he just fights very effectively, and he's really good in fighting. But here we see where Kirby's memory is a big factor for him, because he has to remember exactly what he did earlier in the episode, and then he has to remember this exact fish he was dealing with earlier, so that he knows, like, oh, that's the fish right there, and to get the ring out of there. But it also says something else about Kirby, and that is, he suffered many beatings. Like, there's a lot of baby beatings that have been happening up to episode 17, and he's been abused many times by King D.D. and Escargoon, and yet Kirby doesn't treat them with hate or malice. Kirby forgives, but since we see him accuse him on occasion, he never forgets. One last thing to mention is there's a lot of shots of Honker Stomper just oinking and walking around, and that's because in the Japanese version he actually has dialogue. I guess they didn't want to bother hiring a voice actor for a one-shot character, so that's why they just went with oinks, I guess. But that right there is the episode. I enjoyed it. It is a weird one, though. But it is interesting just the interactions with the characters happening here. And up next is episode 18, and this episode is considered by many to be one of the worst episodes in the series. Last time for me, episode 8 wasn't very good, so this time it's 18. So real quick, double-checking episode 28. Yeah, okay, episode 28's a pretty good one. Like, it's not great, it's not bad, it's just a good episode. So that'll be fun whenever we get to that one. And one thing about episode 18 is there's one really, really good joke, and I'm not sure I'm going to convey how funny it is, but I'll try. <laughs> but that right there is the podcast. As always, you can find us on YouTube, Podbean, iTunes, and Google Play Music, and eventually on other places, hopefully. The only advantage to YouTube, though, is that you get to see images on the screen, but I try my best to describe a lot of things that are going on, so you don't have to watch, you can just listen since it is a podcast after all. But definitely the YouTube version for one thing, that is the Let's Find Kirby part of this episode, because you gotta see these images, you gotta see it, there's just, there's so much going on here, it's so good. But if you have feedback, let us know on the YouTube comments or at Kirby Dreamcast on Twitter, because those are the best places to reach us on that. So that right there is the Kirby's Dreamcast. I had fun talking, I hope you had fun watching and or listening, and that's what it's all about, isn't it? Having fun. Thanks for coming by, and see you next time. Mm-hmm.